0: Ryan Miller and for the past 15 years have helped hundreds of people to raise millions of dollars for their funds and for their startups. If you're serious about raising money, launching your business or taking your life to the next level, this show will give you the answers so that you too can enjoy your pursuit of making billions. Let's get into it. In this week's episode, I bring on Yoav Vilner. Yoav is the founder and CEO of Walnut.io. Join Yoav and I as we talk about how he built a solution for sales and marketing professionals to massively boost their sales and revenue by building demos of the product without writing a single line of code. And as a result, Yoav created a blue ocean that resulted in a 700% revenue growth for his company. You don't want to miss this. Plus, Yoav walks us through what it's like to raise capital during a recession and how it can work to your benefit as a founder, helping us all gain the insights we need in our pursuit of making billions. Here we go.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of Making Billions. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, and today I have my dear friend, Yoav Vildner. Yoav is the founder and CEO of Walnut.io. It's a software company that provides a no code software solution for sales and marketing professionals around the world. Yoav's going to come on. He's calling all the way in from Tel Aviv. He's going to tell us everything about uh, his story, how he has mastered the innovation cycle, and how he's built Walnut and his career as an entrepreneur uh, from many years ago all the way up today. We're going to get into all the amazing stuff that he's put together in his life. So, Yoav, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for being here. So you have we've spoken a little bit. Um, and I can tell you, I man, I am so impressed with the work that you've done and everything that you've built. I know there's a lot of funders and founders around the world, and we all love innovation. And man, you've innovated something spectacular. Before we get into that, maybe you can walk us through a little bit about where did it start for you? I know there's a lot of people starting out now just listening to the show and just pulling those lessons. Um Maybe walk us through where it started for you, and then we can get into all the super cool stuff that you're doing today.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I started my career kind of by accident uh, when I was 20-something, and I wanted to help a couple of startups with all of their growth efforts and and tech marketing and growth hacking and, and all, all that buzzwords that came along uh, <laughs> soon after. And um, I, I, I joined forces with a friend that was talented in a couple of... Um, it was experience working with a couple of other startups and we joined forces and we we launched uh, the first and biggest tech marketing company for startups. We had about 600 companies working with us, a Mm. couple of dozens of employees and offices in London and Manhattan and Tel Aviv. That was kind of my first step in the industry.
1: Awesome. And, you know, um, my understanding is, you know, early in your career, you started that freelance marketing, um, and you were, I believe one of the first companies doing digital marketing in your area. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, where did that take you? I mean, you, you've, you've done some spectacular work for some really well, uh, really well-known publications like CNBC, maybe walk us through a little bit on, uh, how did that go for you and, um, what, what that experience was like and how it shaped you today
2: yeah so while I was working as the CEO of, of that company for about 7 years I was also invited to to, to do all kinds of cool stuff so mm-hmm. some of the gigs I had was writing expert columns for the likes of CNBC, Forbes magazine Inc. magazine, Entrepreneur magazine The Next Web and more um, yeah. where I shared my nonsense about marketing startups <laughs> with millions of people yeah. Um, the other thing was being like some sort of a mentor or advisor, um, specifically about marketing and growth mm-hmm. for accelerators, uh, the probably the top accelerators that exist, and yeah, that also that also gave me a lot of tools for my own. Like I was helping them, but that really helped me like establish myself as someone that really understands uh, startups and technology, and not just yeah. you know doing marketing from the outside. I was like building together with them and I was planning together with them. And I saw a lot of different, um, I saw a lot of different cases of startup that succeeded and failed and everything. And that also helped me like shape myself as a soon to be tech founder.
1: Awesome. And, you know, that so so when you started out, you learned the um, you did a fantastic job uh, working in marketing and learning how to position products, reputation, all of these brands, all these things that are important for a startup. So you started to all these seedlings of of an entrepreneur learning how to market and get your message out and understand how to brand. And, and that took you to some of the most reputable publications on the planet. And you were able to participate that you did such a good job. Now, I understand uh, after that you went on to um, you were, I believe you worked for a company that helped to combat bullying against children. Maybe walk us through a little bit of that evolution.
2: Right, so um, I came back from New York to Tel Aviv after seven years of being the CEO there and I thought it's my time to do something new. Um, And I joined a couple of very talented founding members as a chief marketing officer and we launched a startup to save kids from bullying and pedophiles uh, on social media wow
1: wow i mean that experience alone i bet we could have a whole show on that but the you know the the message here really is you know you kept building um perfecting your craft we'll say you got into marketing you understood um, different tech companies and so you went from publishing to messaging to to technology um, where you worked as a CMO at a company that uh, leveraged AI to, to combat online bullying for kids. So you went through all of that, building your skills early on in your career. Where did it, and then it, it launched you into to Walnut.io. So maybe walk us through about how how you went from kind of working for everybody else, um, and then launching Walnut, and then you know exactly what the value is uh, to the world that you're providing now.
2: Yeah, the value at Walnut is kind of something we did not even predict, like this whole <laughs> thing turning into a real tech category and the landscape, something that we yeah. saw in front of our eyes for like less than two years uh, worth of, of work and yeah. very, yeah. very humble to be seeing that. Um, so the other, you know, the other ventures that I had, like we talked about the two main ones, obviously there was a couple of more ventures where I, I was either like supporting as a founder or investing or stuff like that. But yeah. um they, yeah, they were mine, but they weren't as scalable as I could imagine Walnut to be. And right. so I always thought of the next thing. And um, But yeah, Walnut has just created something really great in, in the industry and started from a waitlist of 700 people, including VPs from Fortune
1: companies, up until wow.
2: the company it is
1: today. Wow. and And how long ago did you launch Walnut?
2: so we launched like the product was launched I think about um, a year and a half ago okay for the first time and it was the top rated product on product hunt for the entire week um, Mm -hmm. and then nominated for the annual awards which happened a couple of more times um, Mm -hmm. as it seems Um, so we were very happy to see the perception of the market in our different launches and um, so that was about a year and a half ago Um, I think the entire company launched about two years ago during COVID and during lockdowns and when everyone thought we were crazy enough to raise uh, uh, seed round, right? Yeah. Usually, your your instinct is not to raise a round during a one of the most difficult prices in history. That's right. Um, but we went for it anyway, and lucky for us, the styles aligned.
1: Wow, that's incredible! So, um, and and I don't know if a lot of people around the world. I mean, clearly you do, and I do. But the tech scene and the startup scene in Tel Aviv is quite impressive, isn't it? Yeah. So I think uh, you mentioned like there's there's Wix, Fiverr, uh, Lemonade, so on. There's a lot of these companies that are just global startups that are really taking off. You're certainly one of them. So that startup scene in Tel Aviv, that was a smart move by you. You're in New York. And I understand now that you've you've got kind of two headquarters, one in Manhattan, one in New York City. Um, And so. Maybe you can walk us through a little bit about how you raised that seed, what that experience was like. I know there's a lot of fans around the world listening to be like, they're about to do the same thing. And, uh, you know, like, like the good big brothers that we are, we'll, we'll put our arm around them and say, it's going to be okay. Don't cry too much. You'll get through this. Uh, but raising venture capital can be, uh, even if whether you're a funder or founder, you're both raising money. Uh, it's an interesting process. What was that like uh, starting out, uh, launching your idea, going to venture capitalists and other investors, maybe walking uh, people through a little bit about that fundraising process?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, it's sure. easy to relate to what's going on now, right? Because it's a crisis all over yeah. again. I guess you want to see them coming every couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was working on the MVP with my co-founder and the CTO. Um, we had a couple of customers on a wait list. It was still before that ex- explosive launch that led us to 700 people. But, mm-hmm. uh, doing the, f- the first batch of our seed round, it was just us working on the MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, we raised our first $2.5 million from, uh, a fund called NFX in the Valley and a couple of angel investors like the CEO of Wix, um, mm-hmm. and Joe Montana's fund in, uh, in Silicon Valley. Yep. um and and we had so we had two point five million and and we said all right that's that's a nice amount, especially during Covid <laughs> to kind of kick things off, yeah, but yeah. things went extremely well, and we rounded up to six million seed a couple of months later, we raised our fifteen million uh, series a and a couple of yeah. months later it was a thirty
1: five million series b wow, all right, so yeah, you make it sound so easy i love it <laughs> and probably well, when you got a good idea i mean it's it's not a hard sell to vcs they can see it and you certainly have done this before so and you, yeah you know I, how to I market would,
2: yeah i would say like you know if you ask yourselves the different the, the like the difficult questions before you set off to talk to investors and you're like like is this a huge like is this just like a you know, a chill pill that we're giving our clients, or (laughs) is it an actual pain that we're solving? Or are we going to change their lives? Is this a company I would invest? And all kinds of questions that kind of will make it easy for you to know if you're heading in in the right direction. You don't want to be spending the next decade working on something that the the customers will not need. It will be a terrible journey for you. That's right. So we, we, we literally went through every validation process we could we spoke to dozens of VP sales we talked to a lot of a lot of different people from our industry before we decided this is going to be the next big thing
1: yeah so so that sounds like you were you were testing your prototype or your idea in the market uh on on our side as funders we call that product market fit so we're making sure that yes you have a product does it fit in the market are you building something that people want right a chill pill or a pain reliever uh, What are you providing? What's the value that you're doing? So you tested all of that. Do you feel like that was a big contributor to your ability to raise venture capital when you brought true market testing to your investors? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. the
2: easiest part for Walnut while we raised our funds was when investors said, so we just want to run this idea by our friends and colleagues and network and see what they think. Yeah, And everyone yeah. were just blown away. Like, how come how come nobody's built this before? Right. It doesn't make sense that in 2020 and the sales stack is such a red ocean. um, It just sounds too good to be true. And they found out we're literally the first ones to help solve this product demo thing from this angle of like letting the salespeople own the demo and not relying on anyone from R and D or product. Yeah. Um, And so they were very convinced that it's like a big category that's about to launch.
1: Awesome. So, uh, uh so I love this. Uh, many, many years ago, I was in sales. So I know what the, what that's like. Um, and being able to demonstrate, uh, even if it's a virtual demonstration, whatever it is, your ability to close people when you can kind of help them see what you already see. And you bridge that gap for sales and marketing professionals where they're able to demo uh, a, their product with a low code solution. Um, and so, so then the VCs go out, they test it. Everyone's like, oh, my goodness. And one of the things that I I think is important for entrepreneurs who are listening right now and listening to Yoab is you can't think that just because it's obvious to you that somebody must have invented it, right? So Yoab went out and and so all these investors are like, "How has nobody done this? This seems so obvious." And Yoab, yet it wasn't. And you, it was to you, but to the market, as soon as you present it, everyone's like, "This is incredible!" How? this is so obvious like why didn't anybody do it and you filled that gap right i don't know if that's a chill pill or a pain relief maybe a bit of both so i find that interesting you and maybe you can walk us through uh some of your findings when raising capital because we're a lot of people are predicting we're going into potentially another recession so now i i think uh you know you should be glad if you haven't raised during that peak uh, the last couple of years, because you're going to be dealing with down rounds potentially right now. So if you're just starting out, you may have an advantage, uh, just like Yoav did. So maybe uh, for those of us listening around the world to your professional advice, walk us through what it's like to fundraise during a recession. What did you learn? What did you see? What worked? What didn't really round that out for us?
2: Yeah, that's a great question that a lot of people are facing these days. Um, I would say first of all, like go for it because investors really appreciate founders that don't let um, market downturns or recessions in their way. Like if you're yeah. confident yeah. about your product and the problem you're going to solve, then you should be you should you should have that confidence speaking to to investors. And um, the second thing, just know that they're going to be naturally going to be more picky. So it's not just raising a couple of millions for a deck. It's it's actually fleshing something out, you know, building out like the first MVP, getting a couple of potential design partners, um, finding a couple of people for your founding team, to show that other people believe in this and not just you. Um, and mm-hmm. and and eventually, like, just build something, build a story that's better than, you know, during peak times, it's everyone raises. Everyone raises money, everyone, right? Because it's it's available, mm-hmm. and so I think now it's going to be different. And now you have to show that there's a real like founder market fit, and yeah. you have to you have to be in a better spot to raise those first couple of millions. But yes. if if you don't, if you're not able, you know, like I said before, if if you're not able to get to that spot, so there's something wrong probably with either you or the product or the audience or the timing. And so, if if you've managed to get to that spot, and it's for good reason that, that that's only the trigger for raising the seed, because otherwise you should probably think about something else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things you and I spoke a little bit offline, and and you mentioned, you know, raising in a time of crisis. There's a couple of things. Uh, one, I'm totally putting words in your mouth, but budgets. Some budgets will survive, and how do you fit into that? Um, but I would say, and and I feel like you em, uh, emulated this is um, you're able to show VCs when you're raising in times of we'll say crisis. That's a little dramatic, but in a recession, you're showing the VCs that you know how to persist in the face of certainty, and you certainly did that. So now that you fundraise, you've raised all this money. I mean, you're north of fifty million. Um, where Walnut.io. You're creating your own category. Maybe walk us through that category and and a little bit of how you found it and uh, some of that advice as well. Stay with us. We'll
0: be right back. AI is changing the game of business. Will you be on the winning team? I'm Jordan Wilson, the host of the Everyday AI podcast and your coach to help you learn the X's and O's of AI. Artificial intelligence isn't just a new player in the game. It's a new sport altogether. So if you don't quickly put AI into play, your competitors will run up the score. I've spent my whole life building winning teams, from coaching basketball to working with big players like Nike and Jordan brand. My next move, helping you win with Everyday AI. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or on everydayaipodcast.com. Let's tap into AI together and put points on the board. Yeah, so I tend to
2: say that every founder claim to be building a category, right? That's your job when you're telling the story for the
1: first <laughs> yeah, time. But yeah.
2: it's literally exploded right before of, of our eyes. Like that the amount of time that it took for us to be like the only player doing this and dominating it for yeah. a lot That's of true. small companies trying to imitate it to Gartner, releasing a blog post saying like, this is the next big thing. This was all a very, very short period of time. And, um, and like I said, we're very humble and kind of amazed to have seen this happen. Yeah, Um. I yeah. think what helped us like build this whole category is, first of all, you have to be first to market, otherwise it's meaningless. So that's one yeah. thing you yeah. need to keep in mind when you think about the timing to launch, because yeah. some founders would prefer building the garage for a year and until they feel the tech is perfect, which it won't be. Um, other founders are more like YC approach, right? You launch whatever you have, if even if it's an, a napkin with an idea, you just launch it and build a <laughs> yeah. website. Yeah. And so yeah. there's, a, there's a wide variety in, be- in between. Um, our, our selection was to launch a lot of things fast and see how the market reacts. So if you're the first one to do it, you solve a real problem. You're really good at like telling the, you know, the short story and the messages of exactly the pain that you solve in, and you have an MVP that's quite operating. So that puts you in a really good spot to kind of claim your category. Wow.
1: That's absolutely incredible. And, And my understanding is that launch has led to some pretty impressive sales growth. So, uh, maybe walk us through what, what, uh, we all like numbers. What's, how's that sales growth going?
2: That was pretty amazing. I guess I can talk yeah. about stuff that have already been out there. So, uh, yeah. so TechCrunch published that we had a 700% growth, uh, end of last year. So that was from you know half a year ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this year I hope will not be different. Like we're really in a hyper growth type of, type of situation. A lot of inbound, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of brand work there's a lot of recognition for walnut like every month there's a couple of dozens of press articles that go up in all kinds of places so yeah um, a lot of a lot of discussions on linkedin and that all leads to like um to let's say a good a good pace of growth
1: yeah that's awesome so 700% growth boy i'd i'd love those numbers those are fantastic you're you're uh you and and all of the investors that are believing you must be absolutely thrilled right now. Yeah. So, they were um, not sad. so what's that?
2: They were not sad at the end of last yeah. year. <laughs> yeah,
1: they didn't hate it. It was good. So, uh, so now um, we built Walnut.io. It, it helps. Uh, it's a no-code solution for software for uh, sales and marketing to build demos for clients. Um, and, uh, nobody's growing by 700% without creating a massive amount of value. So no doubt that a lot of sales and marketing professionals are just so thankful to, to find your product and, uh, you know, your revenue growth is certainly a testament to that. So, you know, as we round third base on our discussion, we're headed home to use a baseball analogy. Um, what are some of the lessons that I think as a, as a founder, you've raised venture capital, you've been an executive, you've done so many things, you've launched a product. Um, what are some of the advice that you would like to give on producing a successful product launch for a lot of our founders?
2: Yeah. So launching a product is, is kind of a terrifying moment, right? For the founders. (laughs) Like it's literally, you know, for the CEO specifically, until you have a CMO that you can delegate to the fault, if something happens, (laughs) like literally your job and the, clients and your employees and your investors are all waiting for that launch day to see how it went and how the perception was um, so so first of all go like be on top of it like don't don't let your don't let anyone else like manage the process like you should be on top of it if you're a founder um, you should focus on like the different product listing in websites and I think product hunt is probably the best one um, you should have yeah. a newsletter all set in place you should have a landing page where it's really really clear about the mess- messages you're trying to deliver to the audience, Um, not like a complicated story with animations and all kinds of crap that nobody cares about. Something very, very, very to the point. Um, You better have a couple of very impressive social profiles about then, And not because you need, you know, likes or followers or stuff in B2B, but just just for that first impression, right? It's going to be weird for a prospect from a fortune company. If they check you Mm -hmm. out and your website and your LinkedIn, for instance, and there's like zero like and zero engagement, that's going right. to be uh, a real killer to your conversion rates. In that day, you should probably set a small campaign to kind of push everything that you can. Um, if your product launch can come along some, uh, you know, announcing your seed or giving reporters any type of number, um, they they like writing about that as, as a trigger. And so you can have one focus day where it's like press about your seed round, product uh, launch and everything. And I'm very up for companies being very brave in that day and kind of going for
1: all of the different fronts. That's awesome. Wow. So um, that that is incredible. Thank you for that. Um, and um, what about building a successful team? What advice could you give? Uh, what parting advice now that you've learned? What uh, How would you build a successful team if you had to do it all over again? Uh, maybe let some of our, our fans around the world know. Uh, a little bit on your secret sauce, how you did it.
2: Right. So you know, sometimes I look at the team at Walnut, and I'm like, you know, is this is this real? Are these people actually are are actually working with us? Because it's just you know we're almost a hundred people now, and the, yeah. the backgrounds and the level and the resumes and the amount of impact that everyone had in their previous places is really off the tops. And so for us, like the, we had a couple of very odd decisions. The first employee that we had was our VP sales. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The reason being that we wanted to build a product for for VP of sales and besides the fact that he was very excited about this change that we want to bring to the industry, he he was also some sort of building the MVP together with us while he was building the pipeline for our future sales. And that was a really good decision, even though investors were like, you know, this is, this is not a classic hire right now. Like there must be a good reason. Um, but if if you need someone to kind of add value to your startup and it's not a among the regular founders, so don't shy away from bringing someone, even if it seems weird to bring them, if you think that can help you kickstart from zero to one. Um, then we went to our networks and brought on a couple mm-hmm. of more, you know, developers and the first people in, and just started going from there step by step.
1: Wow. That's that is absolutely astounding. So, um, you know, one of the, some of the lessons as we kind of wrap up our conversation, some of the lessons is uh, launching in uh, key areas, right? Tel Aviv, Manhattan; those are some hotbeds for innovation that are happening. Um, and you know, owning that message and and making sure that you have congruency in your messaging uh, to your your ideal audience, and then obviously, as as most venture capitalists would agree have a product market fit, or as you also said, founder market fit. Uh, so I, I love that as well. So um, is there anything else that you would like to add before before we wrap up our conversation?
2: Uh, I, I would just emphasize this is a really great time to be raising seed. And even if people try and scare yeah. you and say you would get lower valuation these days, like, who cares? Just <laughs> go for it. If your company succeeds, yeah. no one yeah. will remember the seed valuation. And if it doesn't succeed, nobody would care what the seed valuation was. So just go for it. It's a great time. Be confident and bring strong founding team um, and, and reach out to people that
1: can help you out. I love it. Perfect. Well, you know, that's that's enough for me and Yoav, everybody. So in, in parting words, just to echo Yoav's wisdom, um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you know, just to summarize that, just get clear on your messaging. Uh, engage your customers, find that product market fit, find that product founder fit. So look for a team that fits your product as well, like that VP of sales that you hired. And don't worry about fundraising during a recession. You'll have said, look, man, that actually might work in your benefit. You do these things and you too will be well on your way in your pursuit of making
0: billions. Wow. What a show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave a comment and review on new ideas and guests you want me to bring on for future episodes. Plus, why don't you head over to YouTube and see extra takes while you get to know our guests even better. And make sure to come back for our next episode where we dive even deeper into the people, the process, and the perspectives of both investors and founders. Until then, my friends, stay hungry, focus on your goals, and keep grinding towards your dream of making billions.